Thanks for listening to our podcast. This episode is made possible by our sponsors, CSU Ramzone, powered by the CSU Bookstore, a great sponsor of our Pick'em and Bracket Contest all year long. Also to Ginger and Baker, our favorite restaurant on the planet. And an exciting new announcement coming up next month is we have a new partner coming on board, Vuelo del Aviador Tequilas. That's former Ram basketball star Mil Palacios' company that he's involved with. So we're really excited about that. We'll be introducing them in future podcasts. Can't wait to tell you all about their tequilas. They joined us at a couple of our tailgates this fall and uh, let us do some tasting. It is awesome. High-end tequila. Really good. Can't wait to, uh, to have you guys try that. And then, of course, last but not least, our title sponsor of this podcast, Peterson Toyota. It's 2024, and you may be thinking this is the year for a new car. Let me introduce you to the all-new 2024 Land Cruiser with no fuss, no muss, just the way you remember it, with prices starting in the mid-$50,000 range. Land Cruiser brings back the thrill and excitement of exploring unfamiliar terrain with its remarkable capabilities and legendary reliability, while paying homage to its historic roots of over 65 years. Peterson Toyota can hook you up with a test drive. They are your local Toyota dealer serving Fort Collins, Loveland, Windsor, and Tenmouth. They've been doing so for more than 50 years. Not only will you find the latest Toyota models, you'll also find a friendly and accommodating staff eager to assist you. Whatever you're looking for, Peterson's expert staff will find the one that is right for you, all at competitive pricing and financing. Peterson strives to be the best in everything they do. They will take care of you, I promise. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to Ram Nation Radio. I'm Joel Cantalamessa with my good pal, Michael Rowe. Both of us coming off a little bit of a roller coaster of emotions this past week. We had the lowest of the lows on Saturday with that debacle in Laramie <laughs> to very ecstatic last night with the way the team bounced back in a hard-fought 79-71 win over last year's national runner-up in San Diego State at Moby Arena. In just a little bit, we'll have star forward Nick Clifford joining us to talk about the game and talk about this crazy week in general. Obviously, we'll, we'll ask him a little bit about what happened in Laramie. That'll be a good conversation. But, Mike, uh, first, I guess let's let's chat about that game last night. I know you weren't able to attend, which is a rarity, but uh, you watched on TV. I, I thought it was a really good crowd. It Was it our third straight sellout, our third or fourth sellout of the year? Uh, it's just a great atmosphere. I mean, it's tough to beat Moby when it's full and engaged and the students have been awesome. I thought that the public, uh, the general public was really good last night too. And I just hope we can bottle this, you know, and, and keep students coming back for years to come. Cause there's something, something good going on here. Um, but I, I'm sure you agree, but you gotta be impressed by the effort and the game plan, the execution coming off of what was one of the worst losses in history and, you know, natural, human instinct is to have a let down there most likely and, and just have a tough time picking yourself up off the mat. You know, Nico always talks about how this, this is a, uh, how, how team together this team is. And you really don't overcome what happened Saturday in Laramie and bounce back and put together this kind of performance without character and togetherness, fortitude, all that stuff. Plus talent doesn't hurt. You had your talent step up uh, last night. You know, last night was, Exactly what you said. I mean, it, it, it truly was a team together and, and it shows you, you know, what, what Nico can do in, in this team could have completely folded for the, the rest of the season. To be honest, you look really the last, last four weeks, three weeks, we haven't played well. You know, the last time I was on that we were on uh, together talked about how, uh, you know, we had just come off the losses against Utah State and, and Boise State and, and how tough that was. Didn't look great against Air Force, obviously. But then, they you know, they go to Vegas and smash them last week. Um, but didn't look good. Then, then we lost two more, and, and especially with that meltdown. This could have been that game where they just, you know, and we've seen it in the past. We've seen it at CSU and other sports in football in particular. And, 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 you know, we've seen it from coach Lair's teams. Uh, we've seen it in coach morals teams where great, great non-conference and then just fall apart in conference play. 
But last night was different. Last night was great seeing how this team responded, responded to a historical loss in Laramie. Yep. And, and, and it was a great response. And, you know, I, I'm sure you were as down in the dumps as I was. I mean, I was, I went from just raging to just being pissed and then to being depressed and then just kind of being like, you know what, I'm kind of over this, you know, it always is kind of crap always seems to happen to us. And then you just kind of pick yourself up the next sun comes up the next day and you realize, you know, look, it's, this team has still had a very good season. Yes. They're in a funk. Um, it's not, we're, the season is not over, but the big question was, can you against one of the best teams in the league, pull yourself together? And, and they did. I mean, what you got, what you needed out of your stars Zay and Neek were really good. 20 points a piece. Uh, I think that Nigon said on the radio in the post game that something like all but two points in the game by CSU did not involve Zay or Neek. You know, obviously that includes assists in there. They, they they combined for 11 assists in the game, but that is just a crazy stat. Um, I thought Pat Cartier and Rashawn Memba, when Memba came in to spell Pat, they worked their asses off guarding Jadon Ledee and and uh, kept him in check for a good chunk of the game. I mean, his he, they kept it to two points in the first half. He had 13 for the game, but a lot of those came in like a, a little spurt in the second half where he was getting some uh, offensive putbacks. So they did a, just a really good job on him and and really defensively against that you know, offense with some some good scores. Reese Waters and Lamont Butler each had three threes. They were crafty. We were, were able to score some. But, you know, other than them, they combined for 33 points. They kept everyone else mostly quiet. So it was a really good defensive effort. You had Clifford with four steals, Zay with three. Josiah was just a hawk. Um, a couple of those were because he poked the ball away. Um, he had a block and a steal himself. I thought he had, was terrific. He he also hit a couple mid-range jumpers, which was nice to see because he's been struggling shooting a little bit. Uh, finished with ten points, and then the other key cog was Joel Scott, just battling inside, getting to the rim, and he also hit. This was crazy. Two threes in the game. He was two of three, which is huge because when you look at him over the course of the season, he's shooting twenty four percent. You know, so. So, so that was huge, and one of them was in a huge situation at the end of the game. I think we might start seeing some teams start hack-a-shacking him a little bit because he's he struggled a little bit from the line. He's five of ten again last night, but he didn't make enough. Uh, he was going one for two basically every time down. But yeah, I, I when I looked up his free throw stats for the year, he's still shooting sixty-five percent, which is surprising because it just seems like he's the king of the one for two. But um, anyway, really good night for him, and he was key. Oh, that that three at the end was a dagger, and it was it was one of those. And on that on that play, he came down and was was setting up in the block and got smoked. Should have been. I don't know how they missed that call. He got elbowed right to the head, and he shook it off and and yeah. didn't give up on the play, and he bounced out to the uh, to the line, and and I think Neek was the one. Neek found him, passed it out, and you know took the look and then was like, yeah, I'm making it. Boom. Nothing but net. He, he had a strong game. You know, he had a really strong game and was working hard inside. You know, that's one of those things that even when, when Roddy was here, cause we talked about, it, that was the last time that we uh, had beaten him. You know, Roddy didn't have a, a great game inside and, and, and Neek, Neek, you know, he used his strength. He used his head fakes, was doing a great job getting those buckets and, and Cartier, who hasn't been hasn't been scoring like he was earlier in the season, and, and I know they talked about this a lot last week against Nevada. Um, you know, just kind of has been out muscled, is is what they said. He made some baskets and some passes when we needed him down the stretch, and was a huge reason why we won that game last night. Yeah, it, it was. And so that that was a a game to celebrate. And I can't wait to talk to Neek about it. And uh, I do want to, before he comes on, talk a little bit about the Wyo game because we didn't really get a chance to vent outside of our texts. But um, and, and, and granted, right now, after coming off a win, 
we don't need to vent too much, but just did want to recap a few things. What I thought was really nuts in that game was Wyoming had gone basketless in almost nine minutes down the stretch. They hit a, a jumper with 9.37 left in the game to take a two-point lead. It was 48-46 Wyoming at that time. They didn't make their next shot from the field until 50 seconds left in the game. It was a layup to, to cut our lead. I think we were up 11 at the time, but they cut it to nine. So 64-55. They then hit four straight shots to close the game, plus the free throws. Um, and then in overtime, made four of six. So um, they closed on eight of 10 shooting to finish that game. And I know we have complaints about the officiating. It was garbage. There were some horrible calls at bad times. Um, and there was just some bad breaks in general. But at the end of the day, CSU did not do what they needed to do defensively down the stretch when you needed one stop, right? So um, then I'll, obviously the free throws, we were 10 of 16 in the game. We did not make consecutive free throws in a trip uh, the entire second half or in overtime. So they went uh, one of two, three times in the second half. They did did it again once in overtime. Um, you know, if you just make one more of those, 10 of 16, you get if you go 11 of 16, you win this game, right? Um, and so, and, and what and related to that, one thing I didn't love is when your star, your fifth-year senior, who's no doubt one of the best guards in the country, and maybe CSU's best player ever. But down the stretch, with time winding down, and we have the ball, and Wyo's trying to foul us, he twice got rid of the ball, uh, once to Neek, who missed the front end of a one-and-one, and then once to Jalen Lake, who went one for two. And, you know, I know that Zay's actually missed some free throws in the last few games here. I think he went uh, one of two in OT last night, missed another one last night um, against San Diego State. But I'd rather take our chances with him at the stripe. You know, he's our he's our guy. And uh, so I just thought that was strange. He's your leader. I, I just want him to keep the ball in his hands and say, look, it's fine. I got us. And just, I don't know, just, I think that's just an example of how he's just been a little bit off the last five games. You know, playing very well from a standpoint of dishing the ball, taking care of the ball. Um, his assist to turnover ratio is great, but his shooting, um, a lot of volume shots, only hitting, you know, not not making a, a lot of them lately. So he's in a little bit of a funk. But I also just thought some decisions like that kind of were weird. Um, not to mention when you are down three with 10 seconds left and running down the court and he decides to go for the dish to to uh, Joel Scott for two with under two seconds left. That just was another weird decision. So I don't know. Uh, hopefully, hopefully he's he's back. He had a great game last night against San Diego State. Hopefully, some of this weird stuff is out of his system. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I can't comment too much on the Wyoming game. I actually, uh, I went to watch MB duck the Nuggets again uh, in Denver. In Denver, so I was there, and you know, I'm literally going to our seats, and I see we have an 11 point lead, and then our text thread just starts blowing up and it's like, what the F and are you serious? And so I pull it up and, and I watched the last 30 seconds of the game in overtime Yeah. instead of watching the nuggets game. And it was one of those, it was a historical collapse and everything that could go wrong for CSU did and everything that could go right, including calls did for Wyoming and it, it was you know you got tipped the hat to to Wyoming because they didn't they didn't cash it in you know you look last night 10 point lead and after that last foul with about 45 seconds left and Dutcher told him to call the dogs off they didn't foul we took we, our last possession we took a shot clock violation Wyoming didn't do that Linder didn't do that, and they ended up getting a win out of it. Again, everything that could go wrong for CSU, missed free throws, just poor decisions on, I, I think, didn't uh, – Josiah Strong took a quick three, yeah, like early in the clock yes. with the – like right around a minute left instead of working it down. And – uh and then, yeah, two bad calls 
that happened during that stretch. But but we let the officials, you know, we, we they always say that officials don't beat you. You beat yourself by giving them that opportunity. And that was exactly what happened. We gave them an opportunity to put it in their hands instead of just finishing out the game. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the call, the three-point foul call on Josiah Strong was pretty rough, if you ask me. I don't know if you went back and saw that at all. Yeah. But the guy jumped in, it was Josiah. Um, Josiah did kind of leave his feet a little bit, and if he doesn't do that, maybe that call doesn't get whistled. But um, I, that that's a really tough call to make there when there's barely any contact, and it was initiated by the shooter. And then the four-point four play call on, on Isaiah, I think it was Isaiah, uh, in yeah. overtime – it didn't look like he made contact. I tried to watch the replay a few times. It wasn't a really good angle, but uh, Brian Roth had said later on, it didn't look like that there was any contact. The out-of-bounds call, I think, was the worst of them all. And you just didn't think anything of it at the time because we were up 11 with a minute left. You're like, okay, that is a really awful call, but yeah. you really need to argue with that much when you're up 11, the game's over. Uh, well, but even, that was- even switching, when, when they gave CSU the ball, out of bounds on Wyoming and they, and they go to replay and they watch it for yeah. four minutes. And even when you, every angle that you show you, there's no way that you could tell that it did not go off of either Lake or whoever the Wyoming player was. And if, you, and it's gotta be conclusive for you to overturn a call. Right. And there was, no way that it was. If no it takes way that four that... minutes to figure it out. It's not conclusive enough, right? I mean, exactly. it's just so, and and it's not like there was angles that they had access to that we didn't. This was an internet streamed telecast, right? Yep. So, so don't give me that crap because there was nothing that they showed that was like, oh yeah, there it is. We touched it last. You know, nothing. So, so that was BS. I thought that. uh there was also a call down the stretch where they called Joel Scott or Josiah for a foul. Both of them were just roofed the uh, the shooter trying to go up for a layup, and they called a foul there again. But you were like, all right, we're still up six with 20 <laughs> seconds to go. Like, you're, you're just trying not to get too pissed about it. And then you, but you look back at all these things, you're like, all this stuff contributed to it. Just, yep. just ridiculous. Um, you know, then you had Zay with a chance to, to tie it up there. Um, what was it? Wyo had a two point lead, um, something like 20 seconds left. He drove down this. Yeah, this was coming off of when they had that four point play and took the two point lead. And he goes to dish to Joel Scott and just had way too much mustard on it. And that was the game. Yeah. I mean, he just uh, that goes out of bounds on us and, and it was over. They actually gave us the got lucky on a one one for two on the free throw next next time down to give us a chance at a three. And we didn't take it. We went for a two. So that was the game. But uh, so I, I just think um, I think that that was just the most absurd amount of circumstances that could have possibly happened to lead to that. And it's just it's just it's it's insane that this kind of crap continues to happen to us, happens to us in multiple sports. And it's just it just weighs on you but you know so so what's what's aggravating to me is barring a miraculous run now our shot at a regular season mountain west title is out the window you may not care about that but i i kind of have been eager to see one of these it's i've been a fan for 33 years and still haven't witnessed one i thought this was a team that could do it and uh we're pretty much i mean behind the eight ball there i mean that that was kind of a dagger the, in that game and i disagree with you on that i don't you know uh our our, our good friend uh, Jeff Grammer, he posted today, according to Ken Palm, we have had the hardest Mountain West schedule to date. We, yeah. we, ha- we have had the, the hardest in, That's you know, b- before last night, five of our games, five of our eight games had been on the road, which means you flip that. We're going to be at Moby more towards the end of the season. We're going to have Boise. Nevada, Utah State, Wyoming, all at home, right? You got to win some of the road games if you're going to compete because Utah State already has. Well, I know. What I'm trying to say is we have a chance to win those games on the road. Beat Fresno. Beat beat Fresno on Saturday. Beat Air Force. I know that's our final game of the season. 
it's going to be tough going to, to Viejas, going to the pit, but it's tough for everybody. And, and we're seeing what New Mexico's doing right now. They've had a lot of home games in this stretch. You know, since they lost to UNLV, they've had a lot of home games and they've played the bottom half of the Mountain West. That can be us. That can be just, just as simple. We can still get that regular season title. That's what I'm trying to say. I think we still have a shot at that. Yes, we cannot. We cannot at all stumble on Saturday night. Uh, I'm going to pull up CSU schedule right now. Well, I'll tell you. I mean, Mike. So, do you think a team with six conference losses is going to be good enough to win it? Because right now we're at four losses, and we still have to go to Viejas. We still have to go to the pit, and we still have to go to Vegas. Why not? So, why, I mean, why why couldn't a team with six wins or six losses do that? Teams in the Big Twelve do it. Teams in the Big Eight do it. Teams in the Big Ten do it. So why can't a team in the Mountain West do it as well? It's because it's, I think it could happen. In theory, it's possible, but I just don't. I mean, if you look at where Utah State is right now, that they've already gotten what two, three road wins in league play. That's that's where I'm just saying it's it's going to be tough. So um, there, there's other teams that are currently positioned better than we are because we lost the one that we really needed on the road was Wyo, and we have not been able to win in one of those other three that we actually had a chance to win if you just shoot the ball a little bit better uh, at Utah State at uh, uh, Nevada Boise, no, at Boise. One, yeah. So anyway, um, before we uh, bring in Neek, I got to say though. Uh, did you some of the the stuff on our message board and some of the stuff you read on social media, Twitter is gross. Like someone on our message board said that night, Nico should be fired. Someone said this is be a bot. This is a bottom of the Mountain West team, and just people just losing their minds and 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 saying that the early season was a fluke, that this is no longer a tourney team. It's an NIT team. And it's people being irrational, emotional, it's just flat out stupid. So I think while the trajectory changed a bit, the resume is still very, very good. And people are ignoring the fact that the wild loss, as rough as that was, um, you know, it, it's the only so-called bad loss of the year. It was a quad three loss. It, it, depending how they finish, it could turn into a quad two. So uh, people just not giving the league enough credit, at least our fans aren't. And that's disappointing because um, we'd be right in the title hunt if we just shot a little bit better against Boise or Utah State. Um you know, anyway, uh, I, fans show a little more fortitude like our basketball team did last night. Um, this team showed that it's still very good. It was in a little bit of a funk for a while. And hopefully the performance versus the Aztecs last night is kind of the turning point to get back on track and finishing strong here. So Rams go to Fresno State Saturday, 8 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. And then they'll host Boise State next Tuesday night at Moby, which should be another sellout, raucous crowd. Can't wait for that. But uh, let's get that Fresno win. Uh, first. So let me tell you about Ginger and Baker, who was just spotlighted by visitfortcollins.com as a top four Collins restaurant worth the drive. They say, and I quote, dining at one of the multiple options to be found inside Ginger and Baker is an opportunity to not only enjoy a variety of high quality handcrafted offerings, but also an opportunity to experience dining in one of Fort Collins' most stunning historic buildings. And we couldn't agree more. You can have an amazing dinner at the Cash Restaurant where you can enjoy fine steaks, chops, good whiskey, or select from their award-winning wine list. Or the Cafe Restaurant for some of Chef Ryan's comfort food done right. Ginger and Baker also features a coffee shop, market, teaching kitchen, and event spaces. And man, they have some great event spaces. The Milltop is worthy of wedding events. The Wine Cellar is a classy, intimate space perfect for dinners or corporate meetings. There's just something here for everybody. It's amazing, guys. Support our friend Ginger Graham and treat yourself to a world-class experience at our favorite place, Ginger and Baker. All right, super happy to bring in Neek Clifford, who had an excellent game last night. Neek, first of all, congrats on the win. I just got to say, you know, coming off of, of obviously what was hard for us fans was probably uh, – tenfold as difficult for you guys uh, as part of the team to lose the way you guys did. And Laramie, how were you able to kind of turn the tides, have the focus and energy to bounce back after such a tough, tough loss Saturday? 
um, in Laramie and, and really bring it last night against San Diego State. Yeah, no, nah, I appreciate y'all having me. Um, but no, nah, yeah, the, uh, the Wyoming loss was pretty tough on all of us. Uh, real disappointing. We had that game in our hands. Uh, Should have won that one, but, you know, that's part of college basketball. Some crazy stuff happens sometimes, and everything just happened to go their way at the end of the game. And uh, it was an unfortunate loss, but I feel like we handled it professionally, uh, maturely, and moved on to the next game, focused our energy on San Diego State. Uh, we couldn't really dwell on Wyoming game too much because we knew we had a real tough opponent coming into our place. So uh, I feel like we handled it pretty well. Um, we took some time to just kind of just get back to having fun. Uh, I think help like we played kickball. We like it helped. I feel like it helped our team chemistry and just helped everybody just get back to having fun, playing for each other, and then prepared for San Diego State and ended up it ended up working out well for us. You know, it's probably one of those situations where you need the step away from basketball for a day, right? And just kind of get your mind off and have some fun. Anybody got a good kickball game? <laughs> Anybody for, especially good at kickball? <laughs> I like to say myself, but uh, I had a rough day that – I had a rough showing that day. Uh, but it's all good, though. My, uh, my favorite part of kickball is is <laughs> once you field the ball and you got to throw it to get the guy out, when you just drill someone and you just feel like that percussion, <laughs> like – Ooh, did anyone take a good one off the off the noggin or anything like that? It's a good feeling. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember. I think uh, I know Ali. Ali, our coach Ali, he he threw one at somebody. Got somebody out. I forgot who it was, but uh, me and Isaiah were talking about it last night in our little press conference thing. Uh, so I'll give him his credit. He hit a he hit the last home run. I want to – or in in the park home run to win the game. Nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'll give him his credit, but he, he going to have to show me that again. That's not really who he is. <laughs> As you say, you got to let the coach win, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we, we let them win. We'll go yeah. with that. <laughs> well, Mike's a PE teacher, so he, he's probably rolled out some good games of kickball in, in his days. So <laughs> well, – so, so Nick, you had one of your uh, personally your best performance of the year. Um, you, you set the tone early and really all game long. Double double, twenty points, ten rebounds, five assists, four steals. I mean, you were everywhere. You're eight of eleven shooting, two for four from behind the arc. And uh, I mean, you've been really good all season. Been just a, a huge lift to this program. But seemed last night you kind of took your game to a new level. Was there just a kind of an air of desperation after Saturday and just knowing that you needed to bring your A game against this squad? Yeah, no doubt. Those are the type of games I live for, you know, just um, really good opponents. Our fans showed out, so, uh, you know, we had to put on the show. And it was just a lot of fun, fun environment to be a part of. And I knew that we've, we've been struggling a little bit as of lately, uh, just – trying to get back to what we were doing at the beginning of the year and trying to get back in that groove and rhythm. Um, so I just knew I needed to be aggressive and just come out and play as hard as I could to try and help my team win. And, um, you know, as a team, we played we played pretty well for 40 minutes, I'd say. Uh, we had a little stretch where we let them come back a little bit, but for the most part, we handled our business. And uh, I was proud of the way we responded as a, as a group. You know, you got, I thought that this was probably the, one of the best you've had some really good defensive games as a team this year, but uh, this was had to be up there, uh, particularly kind of controlling Jadon Ladee and uh, the way that Pat and Rashawn worked against him. He's an all time great player, he could be Mount West player of the year this year. What was the game plan going in against them? It looked like you you had a concerted effort to to really play physical against them and and you didn't back down. Nah, yeah, that dude is up for candidates of player of the year and nationally he's, he's up there. So uh, when you play a player like that, you know, we just we put a lot of focus into trying to stop him. Um, you know, Pat, Rashawn, Joel, they all did a really good job guarding him. Just be bringing physicality of because of how strong he is. We knew we was going to have to send that message right back. Uh, so that that mentality was set from the start. 
I felt like they did a really good job of that. And then uh, just keeping them off the glass was huge. Uh, we tried to crowd him a little bit and make him play in tight spaces. Um, and I think the the game plan worked pretty well. Uh, he's a really good player, and he still he still had a pretty solid game. But I think we think we did a good job on him and shutting him down for the most part. So uh, until last night, last night you guys kind of got back on track offensively, uh, but there was a six game stretch there where you've been in a little bit of a shooting funk as a team. Is that kind of a real? contagious thing when when it's just you kind of know that everyone's struggling it may get worse as the games go on when we keep missing shots can you feel something like that and, and has there been a little pressure on the uh, amongst the team in that regard I'd say no I don't think it's I feel like uh, we work on we shoot so much when we're in the gym uh, we work on it every day I feel like everyone is confident to go step up and make that shot you know just sometimes it happens to not be somebody's night um and so um I think our mentality has been good of just continuing continuing to instill confidence into each other to shoot that shot when they open um I've seen I've seen each one of my teammates take that shot many a times that they shoot in the game so I trust them to go make that as well as they trust me to go make a shot too so uh, I would say I would say we just continue to trust each other and just keep keep shooting it when we open. But I think a big issue for us those last couple games was our shot selection a little bit. Uh, we were getting some quick shots and some early rush shots where we could probably swing it a couple more times and get a get an open look, which probably would raise our percentages a little bit. And I feel like that's what we were doing a, a little bit at the beginning of the season, which was why we were shooting it pretty well as a team. Uh, so I think we got to, got back to that a little bit last night. Well, you guys were two and four in league there uh, until last night, and just seemed like as a just could did not have the breaks we we wanted to get, and, and just could not pull out a couple of these victories. But it felt like last night was almost like a turning point where we're getting back to where we were playing a little bit earlier in the season. Does it feel like? that's kind of the breakout game and like, Hey, we're back and let's go. And so I think it should give us confidence as a team um, playing a really good team like that should give all of us confidence that we can compete with anybody. And I feel like we've felt that way all year, just had went through a little slump as a team, um, you know, but that's part of it. That's every college basketball team goes through that at some point in the season where they are not playing as good as they usually do. Um, it's just it's just how fast can you respond and figure that out. So I think that definitely could be a turning point for us. You know, we just got to figure out how to get get a win on the road. That's been an issue for us so far this during the conference play. Um, so we have an opportunity to go do that on Saturday, and I'm I'm really excited uh, where we're at right now. So you're born and raised here in the state, down in Colorado Springs. Uh, what was it like last night putting on that state pride jersey? Uh, it's cool. It's real cool uh, to just be able to re represent the state I've been a part of my whole life. Um, there's some other guys who's from Colorado as well, so it meant a lot to them too. You know, it's it's pretty special to be able to have all your people be able to watch, come to the games, um, all those different things. So uh, it definitely meant a lot to me being able to put that jersey on and represent my state and where I come from. So being a Colorado kid, what's it been like beating UNC, DU, CSU Pueblo, Adams State, Air Force, and UC Boulder all in one season going undefeated in the state? No, nah, it's kind of wild. I was thinking about that a, a couple weeks ago, just like, wow, we really beat every team in the state. So it uh, kind of makes us the top dogs in the state. I think it's pretty pretty cool. You get the bragging rights in your state. And then just being a Colorado native myself, I I, I know a lot of those dudes who play on those different teams that are from Colorado. So I get to talk my trash or whatever, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's, it's, those are all really good teams. So it was it was competitive games each game. But uh, it's always it's always nice to come out on top when you play on all the teams from your same state. Yeah, you had, you had another nice monstrous dunk last night. You had a 
really nice one versus Wyo, and you've had some really good ones this year. You just relish those opportunities that kind of because you know it fires up the team and definitely fires up Moby. Is that just something that uh, you you enjoy? Yeah, no doubt. I think it definitely gets our crowd going. Uh, it was super loud last night when I when I got the dunk. So I think it gives us a lot of energy. Um, I think for me personally, it's like a mindset thing of just being aggressive, trying to go put the ball in the rim. Uh, so just just having that mentality to go do that, I I can't. Uh, I got to do that every time I attack the rim. Is just just having that mindset of going putting the ball in the rim and. Like whoever's in the way, they gotta they gotta go too, uh, you know. So, but it's it's def it definitely gets our crowd energized and it's a momentum boost for our team. Well, I don't want to bring up the painful past, but I did just want to ask you a question or two about that Yo game and and must have been particularly tough for you because you fouled out and were unavailable for overtime. Um, mm -hmm. But I guess just from sitting sitting there on the bench, even in the final minute and, and playing in the game and watching it unfold the way it did and having basically everything that could go wrong, go wrong. What was it like to, to be there and just kind of feel it slipping away uh, as a, as a player? It was one of the most difficult losses I've been a part of. Uh, you know, we had the game sealed. I felt really comfortable where we were at. You know, I think our whole team did. And then some unfortunate things just happened. You know, there was there was a bad call where the dude was laying out of bounds and they gave him a timeout. Um, you know, we can't blame the refs for our mistakes and letting them come back from 10 points. But, you know, it was it was difficult to kind of wrap my wrap my head around. I didn't really it was kind of surreal. I don't know how we we lost that one, but we, you know, it was all about the response. Um, you know, I think it's a, it's definitely a good learning experience for our team. I think it's going to make us stronger by the end of the season, but it was definitely a hard, hard pill to swallow. Um, you know, sitting there watching on the bench, I couldn't really help my teammates out in that situation. So I got to be smarter myself, uh, staying out of foul trouble. You know, there's a couple of tough calls that didn't go my way. I felt, couldn't we're probably not fouls but you know that's part of the game so you just got to play through that and I got to be smarter knowing how many fouls I got as well so um yeah it was definitely a learning experience for our team well you talked about how you you did respond uh last night what three days later and uh and you guys absolutely did respond it was professional effort and 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 really a, a team together kind of performance, but in a, in the raw moment, what was it like immediately after the game? Was it shock? I mean, I, I heard that uh, coach Medved was pretty heated in the tunnel with the refs. I mean, you don't see him kind of do yeah. that. Um, what was it like in the locker room? Was it quiet? Was it pissed? People pissed breaking things or was it just kind of just shock? We're sitting there just going, what just happened? I think it was a little bit of both um you know I personally was really mad I was really upset uh I slapped the chair super hard and other guys were real emotional as well uh you know it's a rivalry game too on top of this you know we don't never want to lose to to them uh so it was like I said it was a tough pill to swallow but when coach got in there he handled it professionally he was pretty emotional as well and upset, but, um, you know, he's, he's really good about knowing what to say, when to say it, how to say it. Uh, he didn't, he didn't chew us out really. He was just a little disappointed and losing that game. He just told us like, we got to move on and get on to the next one. So he just has that next game mentality, which I think is really good for our team. Uh, he doesn't chew guys out for making a mistake or whatever. Um, just instills confidence into us. So I think uh, coach handled it really well. And then, but it was, it was definitely a long ride home. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's a long ride home. <laughs> well, let's shift over to uh, kind of big picture things. So obviously you were in, in Boulder for two years. You decide to transfer, you come to CSU. Uh, 
how is this season aligned with with your expectations? What you is it what you thought it would be uh, when you made that decision? Yeah, my time in Boulder was good. I learned a lot, um, made a lot of relationships and connections that I'll have for the rest of my life. So I'm very grateful for that. Coming over to CSU, I didn't know exactly what I'd be getting myself into. I knew the type of people I'd be around, and I was excited for that new opportunity. Um, but, I, of course, you never really know until you actually get to a place what it's going to be like. Uh, but I knew I needed a change. I knew I needed something different for myself uh, to put me in the best position to be successful. And so when I made that change, it just just kind of flipped my whole mentality of just getting back to having fun, playing basketball, doing what I love. And, you know, it was it was a blessing. I'm I'm blessed to be in the position I am today. I feel like everything happens for a reason. I'm a firm believer of that. And so I had to go through what I went through at CU to get where I am today. Um, and I feel like that's the reason I'm able to be successful right now and be playing well. Um, you know, I put in the time and the work, but I've, I'm able to trust that and have confidence in what I'm doing. And then being around a group of coaches and group of teammates who believe in you and really trusting you to go do that uh, makes makes a huge difference. Uh, and that's that's ultimately why I've been able to be successful and help our team win this year. So the, the last couple of seasons, you've really been known for your defense, uh, you know, being first or second on the team in, in blocks near the top in steals. This season, we've seen your offense, offensive numbers increase and you really blossoming on that side of the ball. Why is that? You know, I think it's a little bit of my role has changed. Uh, a little bit of my role at CU was to be a defender and then hit open shots and not do too much, you know what I'm saying? But here um, at CSU, I've, my role has expanded a lot. My leash is a lot longer to just go out there and make plays and be aggressive offensively for us. Uh, the coaches want me doing that. And um, just the way we run our offense, I'm able to be more involved. Um, just off ball screens or – playing with a point guard like Isaiah who's going to find you, open shots and stuff, being ready to knock those down. And then going back to the confidence and trust piece of our coaches, just believing in me to go out there and make plays, that that gives me all the confidence in the world to go do what I know that I'm capable of and what I work on every day. Uh, so it's it's a lot of different things that go together. But, um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely my role has changed a lot, being from CU to CSU. So a, a number of my friends that wear black and gold talked about getting to know your family uh, the last few years and, and how great they were. How important was it out of high school and, and with your transfer, choosing a place where they were be, would be able to be there to support you and watch you in person? Uh, now, my parents are amazing. They, they come to every game. Uh, they travel to watch me play. So that wasn't that wasn't an issue for me. Uh choosing a the school, they they wanted me to do what was best for me and my situation. They were gonna support me no matter what. Uh they might not have been able to make every game if I went out of state, but they still would come to a lot of games and be there to support me. Um they've traveled to I think every game this year. Um uh, so so my parents are always there to support me and my family, friends and um just close people around me. So it's it's huge to have them being able to close, being close to home and having them be able to come up and watch me is definitely really special. But I know that wherever I would have went, all my family and friends would have supported me and uh, kept kept up with what I was doing. So, Well, it's it's been great seeing all those number 10 jerseys over there behind the bench. So They, they roll deep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> hey, well, um, a, a, a faction of the national media, including yesterday, John Rostein, a, a CBS national guy, has been adamant that the Mountain West is a superior conference to the Pac-12 and even the ACC this year. And you see it, 
you see it pretty prominently across social media with some of these guys that uh, that are national college basketball so-called experts. But I'm curious, as someone who's played now in the Pac-12, as well as eight games in the Mountain West play, what are your thoughts on the two leagues, like competition level? Yeah, no, that's a tough question. Uh, the Pac-12 is a good conference. Uh, got a lot of high-level teams, high-level players. But this year, especially, the Mountain West has really proven itself, you know, especially at a non-conference play. We were playing Pac-12 teams, and I forgot the the record, but the record was Mountain West to over Pac-12, pretty, pretty decent amount. Yeah. And then um, – the other conferences as well. So Pac-12 is really, I mean, Mount West has really proven itself to be a high level conference. You know, everyone gets, gets into the power five, whatever high major, and then considers Mount West a mid major when in reality it's just as good of a league in my opinion. And I think even the lower level leagues get discredited just because of the name and what they're associated with. But there's some high-level teams that will be high-major teams. So I don't really – I'm not a big believer in the big power five high-major conferences being the best of the best. Um, you know, there's good teams in every conference. And the Mountain West has proven that this year with their non-conference play. And then our league is just super tough. You know, every night you come out to play, you're going to have to be ready to go because uh, – Every team is is solid, you know. You so it's a it's tough. It's tough. I think I think the Mountain West might be better than the Pac-12 this year, um, but Pac-12 is is always a pretty solid league, though. What would you say is the biggest difference in style of play between the Pac-12 and the Mountain West that you've seen doing both? Uh. I would say in the Pac-12, the biggest difference is probably a little bit of the size physicality, maybe. Um, there's just, like, bigger dudes, probably, like, like the Arizona school and uh, UCLA's and teams like that. You know, they have some big dudes, seven-footers and stuff like that, whereas the Mountain West, they're still big guys. But I feel like the bigs – are a little smaller and more skilled probably. But, you know, it's like I said, going back to it, there's good players in every league and on every team. Um, but I said the biggest difference is just how the bigs play. I'd say the Pac-12 bigs are more like rim rollers and big, like real bit traditional bigs. Whereas the Mount West, from what we've played, um, uh, has a lot more to like pick and pop bigs or certain things like that. So you've been playing for three and a half years now. What's the toughest road venue you've been to? Uh, definitely in the Pac-12, it was Arizona. Uh, it's, that's a that's a tough place to play. The fans are pretty hostile. Uh, they pack the gym out, and it's it's a, it's a fun environment though. But it's definitely it's a hard place to win. I don't think we ever won when we uh, when I was over there. So that's a tough place to play. And then, um, honestly, this year in the Mount West, I would say I haven't seen the pit or uh, some of the other places yet. But so far, I'd say Utah State was was pretty hostile, and you know they were it was super loud in there. You know, your ears was your ears ringing in there. It's it's like everyone's looking down on you. It's the way that it's set up is super loud. So I would say Utah State and Arizona probably. Vijas in San Diego State uh, at San Diego State and uh, the pit obviously are going to be going to be two special places for you for sure. You'll you'll enjoy playing there. It's it's mayhem. I look forward to it for sure. All right, so. Washington game, you were sent to the locker room with that flagrant two. What? How did the officials explain that to you? And then did they apologize after the game for blowing that call? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
No, I didn't get an explanation. Uh, so that was that was a tough part. I didn't get an explanation for really why I got sent out. Um, you know, it, I look back at the replay. I see what like they're talking about, but when you look at the rule book, it's not what I did wasn't intentional. It just was an unfortunate, unfortunate play, which I I would understand the flagrant one call. Uh, which I thought was what they were going to call. But flagrant two, I felt like was a little excessive because I wasn't meaning to to hit Buddy right there. So that, that one was pretty frustrating. Um, but I was so happy that we won that game. I was so happy and proud of my teammates to pull that out and come together. And, um, you know, we had been dealing with injuries and a bunch of different things happened over the course of that season so far. And then for that to happen, my teammates just rallied together and came out to win. I was in the locker room back there celebrating. I was really excited. Um, but it was definitely – I was pretty pissed off when that happened because um, I just wanted to be out there with my teammates and help us win. But like I said, we came together, pulled that one out, and I was super proud of us. We saw your dad. He must have – surprisingly it was like as jovial as, as usual and i'm like you flew all the way out here to watch your son and he got to play like three minutes so uh <laughs> but y- your dad is something special man he's he is always always smiling <laughs> love that yeah i'm sure he says some things to the ref but yeah, <laughs> i don't want <laughs> <laughs> well just a few more left for you buddy um so you're a guy that with nba aspirations you'll definitely have that opportunity you're also kind of immersed in conference play here. You're, you got aspirations here in college and, and goals that you want to achieve in NCAA tournament. At what point, though, I mean, do you, do you think about, God, I'd love to be here for another year? Or do you like, look, I, at the end of the year, when everything settles down, I got to look at, you know, what what's out there for me? Is that something that you might look at in the offseason? Or are you you feel like you will be around here a couple of years? Uh, for me, I've been trying to just stay focused in the moment. You know, we've had a special season so far, and I want to keep that going. I want to be just present with my team and enjoy this year. Uh, I don't. I'm not a person who really likes to look into the future because uh, I feel like that just puts too much stress on you and has just not been beneficial to me in the past by doing so. So, um, you know, I'll let the after the year. I'll sit down and figure out what's best for me. Um, but as of now, I'm just focused on winning and being with my teammates and making the most of this year because I feel like we can really make a run late late in March. Um, and I truly believe that. And I'm, I'm excited to see what we're capable of this year. So I'm just all in on this year's team, and I'll figure out the rest later. For sure. So I've I've had a few friends ask me this. What is the Vanguard School? And that's where you attended high school. Yeah. I uh I went there. It's a charter school actually. It's 3A uh in Colorado, Colorado Springs. Um it's it's a smaller school, but I went there from kindergarten to my senior year. So uh it was all I really ever knew. Uh my my pops had worked right next to the school and he had heard it was a really – my family had heard it was a really good school um, for academics. So they sent me there. I stayed there my whole my whole time through school, and I think it, it was definitely good for me. It prepared me for college uh, academically. And then I was blessed to have a great coach and great teammates in my basketball career over there too. And we kind of put Vanguard on the map a little bit for basketball too. So it was, it was a special – special school and a special place in my heart for um, the smaller schools. And that goes back to like the bigger conference and things like that. I've, I've been dealing with that my whole life of playing in a smaller conference too, which is why I kind of have that chip on my shoulder for uh, smaller leagues who don't get as much credit uh, like the Mountain West or the low major schools. So, you know, like I said, I think there's good teams everywhere. Um, regardless of conference. You, you literally just took my next two questions. I was going to ask you if you <laughs> started off at, at, there in kindergarten. And <laughs> if, if, if 
going from 3A, I, 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 w- I played at a 2A school, like baseball growing up. So I know, oh. I know the classifications and all that. Yeah. Uh, did that, did that, did you have some added pressure when you, when you started off at, at, in Boulder because you were coming from a 3A school? Yeah. People always told me just, you're not going to be ready or coming from 3A. It's going to take time to adjust. And, yeah, I had to adjust the pace of play. I feel like anyone has to adjust to the college level. It's just different. You're playing at a faster pace. And then the physicality was probably the biggest thing for me it was just getting stronger, uh, which was a big part of why I went to see you because they have such a good strength coach. Um, so I think that was that was huge for, for me. But I didn't think – I don't think it was because I went to Vanguard or a smaller school because I still played AAU ball. I played – all the same people that I was playing 5A, 4A, or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I don't think that was my issue. It was just the fact that I needed to get stronger and just get adjusted to the pace of play of college. So I was looking at their uh, Vanguard's website, and uh, a lot of extracurricular activities going on at that school. It looks awesome. What, uh, what else did you do there besides basketball? Yeah, there's a lot of different options you could have at Vanguard. Uh, you know, I did a bunch of different things when I was there, extracurricular activities or um, different classes. Like I took an engineering course. I took, um, what was it called? Like financial, like financial advising. So different things like that that could prepare me for the future. Um, and actually, like, relate to real-world things that you interact with daily. So uh, that was pretty special. And then, you know, I played other sports growing up. Not my whole – my whole high school career, I played basketball. But before that, I played soccer and uh, – most yeah, mostly just soccer. Soccer was a big one for me. And then once I got to high school, I wanted to just focus on basketball. But they had a lot of extracurricular activities to do. But me personally, I was pretty focused on basketball. So I just tried to stick to that in school, focus on those things. Well, hey, last thing for me, um, I know you've been working with the Green and Gold Guard and uh, the Larimer County Boys and Girls Club. How's that been for you to, to be involved in the community like that? It's awesome. I think it's an amazing opportunity for me and my teammates to just be able to represent those people and be able to work with them because, you know, those, those kids are young, the younger generation where we were at at one point. And I feel like being able to interact with them can give them inspiration and show them that they could be where we are one day. Uh, So that was really cool, especially the times we've got to go over there and just like play sports with them or talk to them. I think it's I think it's pretty pretty neat that we get to do that, and then the green and gold guard is just uh, John Weber. He does a really good job for us, just helping us do NIL and um, bringing in funding for our program so that we can get the stuff that we get and whatnot. So um, definitely very very thankful for them and the opportunities they get us to work with the boys and girls club. Well, for all of our listeners, make sure. Uh... If you're not involved, this is a great organization. As as Neek said, John Weber does an excellent job. It's not just about funneling money in so these guys can drive luxury cars. They're they're getting them paid for for doing good things in the community. And and uh, so visit the ggguard.com to donate and get involved. I can't wait to get my basketball cards. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to get those going, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> all right, uh, so I got one one more question. Uh, so I ask all our guests anytime they come on there, I always ask about food and stuff from where they're from and all that. So first question, on a scale of 1 to 10, how awesome is Fargo's Pizza? Fargo's, oh, man. Fargo's. I haven't had Fargo's in a long time. Brought us old memories. Um, Fargo's Pizza, I would rate it like a, probably like a seven. It's, 
it's pretty solid, but I think most people go there for like the the environment and just kind of the the setting. But it's 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 pretty good pizza, and you can get unlimited, like a buffet style. So I yeah. I, I give it a seven. <laughs> that was my family went there all the time when I was a kid. So really, what's your rating? Huh? What's your what's your rating? Back then, I'd say it's a nine. I haven't had it since I was a kid. Uh, <laughs> it was case, the best when your I was tastes a kid. have evolved since then. I might be underrating it. It's it's been a long time since I've been so. <laughs> now, so when you are back home, when you are in the springs, what are where what are the go to restaurants that you you and your family always hit up? Mm. Uh, definitely a spot I like is L and L Hawaiian Barbecue. Uh, I really we go to. We go to Bubba's. It's called Bubba's 33, a decent amount, because my uncle is, like, the manager there. And then... Is that barbecue? That sounds like barbecue. It has has everything. They serve wings, burgers, pizza, salads, everything. So, and then they... It's kind of like a Buffalo Wild Wings type, where they got the sports bar, and they just show all the games and stuff. Um... That's probably the spot we go to the most, but we'd be going to a bunch of different spots or we'll just cook at home. Well, it looks like that's where we'll go to celebrate after beating the Air Force on March 9th. Bubba's, Bubba's, Bubba's it is. Bubba's Bubba's 33 (laughs) just pulled up the menu. Yeah, that's the spot. (laughs) Well, Neek, buddy, really appreciate you. Been good catching up with you and uh, it's been really fun to watch you, you and your team this year. Good luck rest this week. Good luck Saturday in Fresno. Go get that win, and then we'll see you back home on uh, Tuesday against Boise. Nah, I really appreciate y'all having me. It was a good time, for sure. Thanks, buddy. Finally got a